people, welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in. Everybody, what's going on? Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. I'm Nubia. And I'm Francis. And of course, like any other day, we have an incredible guest with us. It's going to be an amazing story, and I can't wait to like get into it. It's like well, we crazy. We can't wait. We can't wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she stays with me out, y'all. I don't know. I thought I thought we got this sound, but I, it's six. What is this? Our 66th <laughs> episode, and we're just like, well, 67th. I mean, I'm working on it. Um, yeah, let's just get it together. Okay. (laughs) Well, today we have my friend and new black travel expat, which is exciting. So congratulations. Natisha Willis. Hi, Natisha. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Natisha is author of Coach Your Damn Self, One's Take on Self-Reflection, Networking, and becoming a badass entrepreneur. And she's also the founder of the Life Coach MBA. Natisha, welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So, oh my gosh, girl. Now, for those that don't know you, you and I have known each other for the last year or two. And I'm blessed to have been able to be a part of and see your journey and having those conversations (laughs) before you even packed up and left. It's remarkable to see it be yeah. done, you know, because you have those conversations with people and you're just like, okay, yeah, you actually did it. And you was like, you called me up one day, was like, girl, buy them out. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. So let's just dive right into okay. your story because a lot of our conversations were about your yep. plans that you wanted to take care of prior to potentially taking the leap. So the mindset was that you was already leaving. Yeah, but you had sure. all these things you had to do first. Yep. Let's walk a little bit through that. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I guess you want to go. Well, so the very beginning was I went to Nigeria with a, uh, my college roommate like 10 years ago. And that was my first time out the country. And as a result, I knew that I needed to be able to live outside the country or at least leave more frequently. No, I need to live. I need to live the way that I saw her family living. And so I guess basically for 10 years, I just tried to figure out what would that look like. At about the five-year mark, I just bought a ticket, a one-way, sold everything, bought a one-way ticket to Mexico and ultimately went to Belize uh, where I ran out of money (laughs) and had to come back to the States and lived out of my backpack for like 10 more months after that. And after living out of my backpack, that's when I said, okay, I'm going to do this again, but I'm going to do it right. Let me figure out this online marketing stuff. Let me figure out how to make money online and let me get a job so that I can invest in some of these trainings that I'm seeing because I can't work 18 hour days trying to figure this out or, you know, I can't read and study 18 hour days anymore trying to figure this thing out. I need to be able to afford some shortcuts. And that's kind of where you and I met sometime after I got that job, which I was at for three and a half years before getting laid off. So I think uh, somewhere in the process, I think I probably started, 
I feel like we connected maybe a little bit the summer before I released my book. But I know we've met just in the travel spaces before. But I, you know, I, I released my book while I was still working full time. I kept my promise. I invested, you know, in some of these top the two and $10,000 coaching and marketing programs and, you know, got certified as a coach, took a bunch of other trainings, Reiki master and herbalism and doula and all kinds of things, both for personal development as well as professional development. So let's stop right there real quick. Yes. So that's a very important thing that you're talking about right now is that you had already tried it yep. didn't work the way you expected it to. So what you did was you came back, not with your head between your legs. You were like, no, I'm going to do it better this time. So oh, what you sure. did was, it sounds like to me, was you built your own personal and professional development. You were intentional. You invested in yourself. Yeah. at a You know, at a really high level. And I think a lot of times we'll hear people say, invest in yourself. And that could mean a whole number of things for different people. But I've always loved personal development, leadership development, anything that helped me to learn more about myself and who I am and personality assessment, all kind of stuff. And so for me, I feel like the only way that I know what kind of person I am is by being crystal clear about what kind of person I'm not. And the only way I know who I'm not is, oh, I could say, no, I tried that. I love that because it's something that I think I was having a conversation with somebody pretty recently. And what happens is people are so afraid to even just take the first step forward. But it's like you have to try these things out and you have to either fail at these things so that you can get clarity. And that was one of my quotes was like action develops clarity. And the more yeah. action you take, the more narrow things become and the more things become really clear as to what it is you want to do and who you are. For sure. I think a big piece is just redefining failure. Like what, do, what you know what I mean? Like we have been, we've been, I feel like convinced or trained or socialized to feel like, oh, failure is when you try something and it didn't necessarily work out. But I heard once, and I don't remember who said it, is like, I never fail. I either win or I learn. Mm-hmm. But there is no yeah. failure there. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I try to remind myself of that. You know, of course, I'm still, sometimes I can be a little bit gun shy about even trying. But, oh, you know, eventually I kind of coach myself through it. It's like, okay, practice my breathing. You know, uh, practice my affirmations, use my mala beads, like recite not just empty affirmations to myself, but okay, imagine myself in the place that I'd like to be and whatever feelings come up, you know, actually deal with. I like that. That's some great advice for people who are hearing you right now to think to themselves, like, regardless of what happens, it's a learning process. Yep, absolutely. You're going to learn what you don't want or you're going to learn what you do. All right, so let's jump back on the track. Okay. So at this point, you had already decided to write a book. Were you writing a book for a number of years prior or did you just take those three years and be like, I'm going to write a book? I've moved. I grew up, we moved every year, 18, 18 or 24 months. I never remember staying in the same house or school for longer than two years. And so quite honestly, I've been writing my life story, feel like my whole life, just to kind of remember what schools I went to. Like, I remember like, okay, every year I would try to start from the beginning just so that I would hold on to certain memories. So I feel like I always knew that I would write. And by the time I was backpacking, I'd actually wrote a book during that time that I didn't end up publishing. It was about networking and making connections because people always told me that I was really good at it. So I figured I would write a book about it. But I never published it. And so by the time Coach Your Damn Self came out, it was really like, dude, you want to, you know, be a successful coach, 
you need to do what coaches do. And every successful coach that has a multi-million dollar coaching practice or coaching company has a book, whether it's, uh, you know, so it was like, okay, get this book you out. You set that intention. You looked <laughs> at what it, it is that you were interested in yeah. how, and how it's done basically and made sure you were planting those seeds. Yeah. So that was, yeah, just okay. do those things. Congratulations on that. Absolutely. That was a check off the list. That's a huge Thank thing you. actually. I'm not Thank necessarily you. a writer. Thank Francis you. is the writer. I'm the person that likes to talk. So <laughs> ironically, that's how I got the book done is because I, I prefer to talk. So we actually talked the book out and transcribed Ooh, the recording. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody has a book inside of them. Of course. Cause everybody, everybody has a story. Oh, for sure. Yeah. A story. Everybody has a story. So during those yeah. three years that you were intentional about saving, working towards personal and professional development, <laughs> I, I, I remember. I didn't say saving. She, say? Say, yeah. <laughs> she said, I didn't say saving. I, I, I didn't say saving. <laughs> It's yeah, so crazy. I, I so well, <laughs> well the, I mean, that's the truth. That's the truth. Hey, you know. I, I really didn't say it. Sorry. <laughs> I know people do. It's like, I know that that's a thing that people do. <laughs> that's not yeah. everybody's thing. I I'm not a budgeter. So I get it. I tried. I'm trying to get better because I realize that people who have a lot of money, they do that well. So I'm still practicing. I'm still I, learning. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I'm still learning. On so <laughs> let's get to the point where you were like, I'm out of here. Yeah, what was that turning point for you? You know, we're more than just travel. We provide tips, resources, and hacks for the curious traveler in you. So whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. Okay, I got rolled up at work. Well, two things happened. I, I, I published my book. I did a I sold out my uh, book signing. I did a three city book tour. And before I left, I agreed to take a work laptop with me. And while I was out traveling, I realized I didn't want to do their work while I was out traveling. So I never even opened it. I didn't do any of the work. And when I got back, I got wrote up. Well, I know and, how that feels. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, for me, it was like, uh, girl, get your shit together. Uh, can I cuss? Yep. Okay, good. It was like a girl get your shit together moment. It was like, a okay, you've been here long enough. You have, you sold out a book signing. You did a book tour. Like, come on, it's time to go. Like, <laughs> and then to get wrote up. And then on top of that, let me be, you know, I worked in higher education. And so that actually we had, we had a new president and I ran down a, a quick marketing plan, a quick marketing strategy for him on how he could sell more books and get a book written. I told him about our process and you know how everybody, he's like, well, how are we going to sell it? I'm like, well, anybody, you know, everybody wants to be in a class with the president. You just teach a class, make it required, make your book, the textbook. Bada bing, bada boom. All the students are going to want to take a class with you. You have 10,000 students. Here's how you sell books. And he's like, why aren't you in marketing? <laughs> and when he said that to me, it was like, well, I do that just outside of work. <laughs> you know, that's what I said to myself. But the person standing next to me, you know, ran off all of my, my resume and my accomplishments and all the stuff that I'd done. And, and it was that combined with getting wrote up. It was just like, okay, girl, make the shift. So I set the time frame. You know, I, I did what every good coach tells their clients to do. You set the deadline. 
Um, and then you work toward it. And I set the deadline for September 30th. I remember I got wrote up right before March 26th. And I, I said, okay, well, I'm going to give it six months. I wrote my resignation letter that I was going to give them. And I started, I, I decided or I defined all the things that I needed to have in place before I could leave. And September 30th, quickly approached. I started telling people that I was leaving. Actually reached out to one of my guy friends in Brazil and was like, okay, September 30th is my last day. And his question was, was what are you doing October 1st? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm just focused on, you know, the leaving part. And I, the closer I, it, it came, I just realized, damn it, I'm not ready. You know, I wanted to have the business fully up and running and functioning. And I wanted to be making, you know, five to 10K a month. And I wanted to have all my funnels in place. And, you know, I wanted all this stuff that I, I thought I would need in order to, when I leave, to not have to come back. Because I wanted this, that job to be my last job. Like, I didn't want to have to get another job. I understand. I didn't want to go back into nobody's office. I didn't want to, I, I wanted to live in another country and actually live and thrive and work online and serve, you know, the people I wanted to serve. Like I had, you know, this vision of my life and September 30th came and went and I realized I wasn't mm. ready. And so, you know, I was still sad, but I said, okay, well, there's still some other things that I, I want to do. So another marketers conference that I wanted to go to. So I did that. I wanted to spend more time with my family. So I um, went to Vegas with one of my cousins. I wanted to, I knew that, okay, I don't know when the date is. Okay. So September 30th came and went, I don't know when I'm leaving, but I'm for sure leaving. So I hired a stylist and I went to Atlanta and we bought, we replaced my entire wardrobe and I got rid of all my old clothes that I thought, you know, made me feel I, that were ugly or that I wasn't wearing or I didn't feel cute in it. So I replaced my wardrobe. So it was like, I was still preparing. Ironically, these were things that were not on my list <laughs> originally. It was like all the other, ironically, it was all, all the business stuff was so to speak in place, but the personal stuff was nowhere near in place. And that's what I did not recognize. October of last year, I got burnt out. You know, I was turning 36. It was my birthday. And I realized that I I knew I wasn't depressed. I had, all, I had a therapist who I was seeing every other week, but something, it was just off and I couldn't figure out what it was. And what I later discovered about a month later was that I was just burned out. Ironically, I realized that I had all my business stuff. I had accomplished, achieved all my business goals, but all my personal goals were kind of just, I put them on a back burner so that I could focus on the business. And so from November to February, I hired a personal trainer, a nutritionist. I lost about 20 pounds. I started hitting the gym regularly, eating well, caring about that part. And then I got laid off. And when I got laid off, and I was journaling regularly, let me say that too. But when I got laid off, it all made sense. It was like, oh, September 30th wasn't the date because I needed up until February 2nd to focus on the personal stuff. And that was the, I guess the, the light bulb moment was, oh, okay. Even as a life coach, we have to focus on living our best lives and our life doesn't necessarily, isn't exclusive to business. It simply includes the business. The business is one piece of the puzzle. You still got family. You still got all this other stuff. And so it was only that when I got that other stuff that I felt like, oh, shoot. Okay, I'm ready. Well, I love how you reframed that because it's so important. I think what happens is people get caught up with certain perceptions and that really holds them back. For sure. And so you were like, yeah, because it was a blessing in disguise and you didn't realize it until much later. Huge. 
And I think sometimes we try to you know, force things and make things work and do all these things. And sometimes we just really just need to slow it down and just take stock and just follow that intuition and let that lead you. Mm-hmm. Yep. And ask, okay, what am I missing? Because I thought it was one thing and it turned out to be this other thing. Okay, what was right. I missing? Hmm. I think that's great, though. Because for me, I can only say that I knew something wasn't right. I didn't know what it was until after I left. I had to physically remove myself from my environment for everything to make more sense. Does that, yeah. does that make sense? Oh, no, that makes perfect sense. That was me too. That's my story too. Well, I think it was slightly different for me. Yes, but I think only because living, so at the time I was living in Maryland, but my entire family was in Chicago, right? And so I'm single with no children and I live by myself. So I... I was fortunate that I, you know, nobody was depending on me and I had made it a habit at this time. I was only going home once a year. So my family had not necessarily been a priority, but yeah, that's what ironically I've been gotten so used to just operating as the Lone Ranger. What I needed was to be around, (laughs) ironically, be around my family more to then realize, oh, okay, I need family. Okay, this is important. Yeah, well, that's a great point because I think that the more and more we talk about moving abroad or asking people, we find out that people are very, I would say, hesitant because of family. Instead of really putting in their personal needs ahead of family and understanding that family will always be family. And you don't have to take that part away just because you want to move physically. Yes, I agree with that. I mean, it's kind of like I liken it to having a bunch of errands to run, right? There's several things that you need to do, but let's just say between work and home. And there's a few places you need to go. Well, some things you'll do today and some things you'll do tomorrow or next week. But it's really just about prioritizing kind of what's most important right now and then kind of circling back as needed. I think as women, and we've been conditioned to put everybody else ahead of ourselves to the point where we are literally making ourselves sick, but we don't recognize that we are the drivers. Got it. Right. We feel like everybody else is driving and they're in charge, even if we don't recognize it or realize it consciously. That's kind of how we live our lives, kind of in reaction, constantly in reaction or in response to someone else, not necessarily consciously choosing the life that we'd like and then making everybody else get in line. Yeah, I think that's what happens because people always feel like life is happening to them. Yep. And that's why you need to be the driver and take control of your life because you're always going to be, like you said, reacting. It takes just what you said. It really, you have to get away. Like there's no, you're not going to be able to, who is that who says you can't solve the problem from the same mindset that created it? Mm. I think I was Benjamin Franklin or somebody, (laughs) but you have to, what I've noticed is I literally leaving everything, even when I live by myself, but getting away from my day to day, being here in Mexico, I noticed my entire, everything shifts. But even living here in Mexico, when I went back to the States for two weeks, I was able to see how fortunate I really was living here in Mexico, even though things weren't the way that I wanted them to be. So you literally, no matter, even if you live in paradise, it helps to leave your environment where everything you've grown accustomed to it. So let's talk about you getting to Mexico. Oh, okay. Let's just kind of rewind a little bit. How did you select Mexico and that whole first mission that landed you that ticket and that was it. (laughs) Okay. So, okay. So I got laid off February 2nd. Praise God. I kind of knew it leading up to 
me being laid off. But like I said, up until February, you know, before that in October, I thought I was headed. I actually didn't know where I was going. I thought I was going to either uh, to Bali for this entrepreneur 30 day incubator thing. And so when I got laid off, it was like, okay, Bali, Thailand, or Mexico. And I actually posted it in a Facebook group and people kept saying Mexico, Mexico. And the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, I guess Mexico does make sense, you know, for the work that I'm doing in terms of the business, right? So training life coaches, I wanted to create a a conference arm, an in-person training. So, you know, working with Black women who work full-time, I'm like, well, Mexico makes sense. It's nearby, you know, we can come down for a weekend. I've been there before. I want to improve my Spanish. Like the more that I thought about it, it began to make more and more sense. I have dementia at my grandmother's. I have an aunt, various members of my family who have dementia. And I was like, okay, well, I know that if you speak another language, that helps to stave off dementia. You know, it awakens more brain cells, all kinds of stuff. So it, it just began to make more sense. And so then I was like, okay, so I keep hearing about Mexico City. So it's either Mexico City or Playa del Carmen. And I kept hearing about both of them. And one day, like I said, at that time, I was heavy into the gym. And I remember a day going to the gym and I was really just thinking about it. I'm like, okay. And I'm a big signs and symbols person. (laughs) So I'm literally walking in the gym and I see a girl walk past me and she has a tank top on and it says Playa del Carmen all over it. (laughs) That's great. I love that. I'm like, oh, okay, well, Playa del Carmen it is. It was that simple, <laughs> you huh? Know, it wasn't like, it was that simple. I'm like, I do believe in signs and symbols. So, you know, I try not to make God work too hard to get my attention because <laughs> I know that, you know, I don't like getting whoopings from God. So I said, all right, the t-shirt says it, that's where we going. So ironically, when I uh, I started looking for a place, I decided that I just, I had just gotten some new glasses as part of my, I guess, new identity. And they were teal. I remember. <laughs> and so I decided, yeah, like, no, in November, I got glasses. So literally since, I, it's a, like I said, October, it was a very interesting thing. You know, I feel like my entire, like everything changed, but I felt like teal was kind of like my spirit color. And so when I was looking for, I saw in the Facebook groups that people get Airbnbs when they moved to, when they were moving to Mexico. So I was looking for teal. And the one room that, one space that I saw that had teal was actually in Cozumel, which was like a 40 minute ferry ride away from Playa del Carmen. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll go there at first. Um, And so that's kind of what I did. Well, first I did a cross-country road trip (laughs) to see my friends and family uh, to get a finance company back their car and waited for unemployment. And I bought the ticket and I was headed to Cozumel. Ironically, literally the day that I, so I was waiting for my unemployment to come. And so that took forever and a day. But by the time it came, I was like, all right, tickets bought. Then my father's wife passed. So I was like, okay, let me go to the funeral. Plus it's Mother's Day. All right, let me kick it with my mom before I leave. So I lit- I get on the plane and my card for the, with the unemployment on it gets declined. And I'm like, what the hell is this? I'm literally in the airport waiting for my, the flight is boarding. So I'm calling them to find out why is my car like, what's happening? It's like, oh, you missed the training for unemployment. You need to take this training in order for your benefits to be reinstated. Now I am in the airport headed to Mexico. Holy smokes. (laughs) I have no more. I think I, 
I have no more money and I'm headed to Mexico. I mean, of course, it's Airbnb. So the Airbnb is paid for. My flight obviously is paid for. And I think I might have like $400 to my Oh my God. (laughs) So this is like headed to Mexico. So I'm like, and they're saying this. I finally, now mind you, I'm on hold the whole time. So by the time I get somebody on the phone, the stewardess is telling you, you know, to buckle your seat. <laughs> and you can't tell unemployment. Like, like I'm, hey, I'm, I'm heading to Mexico, Mexico right now. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> Sorry, I'm can't make sure you. I wasn't oh supposed to leave God. the country. I'm pretty sure. But where you going to live for $1,500 a month in the U.S.? Come on now. That shit is uh, uh, unreasonable. So, yeah. So I, I, I landed in Mexico and I was like, all right, uh, let me, you know, put this thing together. So when you say the saving, I'm like, yeah, I wasn't good at that. But I did what I was good. At. I had split up my money. So I, amongst all my accounts, I think I had like four or $500. Each, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I had to buy a ticket to go back so I could take this training that I had missed so they would reinstall. Oh, my God. Wow. So that's where being in Mexico came in completely <laughs> handy because you weren't far from the state. You Absolutely. were girl. If you were in, in, in Asia, my God, it wouldn't have it wouldn't worked. Have worked. No, I'm telling you, because Mexico back to the States, I mean, even a last minute ticket is going to run you $200. It's nothing compared to, you 250 know I mean? max like if said. you're trying to not fly spirit, but I'm oh, a spirit junkie, it. so But there's I'll no way spirit. if you had did the Thailand or the Bali thing, it would have been a wrap. Because that's a whole day's worth of travel. Oh, absolutely. See, some people would have been like, oh, absolutely. well, maybe this isn't supposed to happen. And this is a sign. That's a sign. You're like, well, <laughs> not me. <I> March <laughs> forward. <laughs> Pretty much. You know, because like I said, I'm like, all I can do is check and see. I mean, I'll buy the ticket, which I did. I went back for the training. I think the training was like two weeks later. You know, they tried, they wanted to interview me. Like I had to go through this whole shenanigans. My phone had gotten cut off. So I had a, I actually had a new SIM card. So I had to buy a Skype number and then a Skype phone number. And then they was like, well, we going to file your case something. So you won't be eligible for XYZ benefits. Cause you were not, you know, like this whole That's Maryland for you shenanigans. Though. You know, and it was just like, all right, let me breathe my way through it, make my way back for this workshop. And literally, I came for the wow. workshop and was gone the next day. Did the workshop and was on the flight wow. back. The you know, next sometimes, day. but you honestly, take though, so, yeah, but honestly, <laughs> though, because people try to make it way too complicated, you know, even just the way that you chose Mexico. Yeah, sometimes people are like, well, they create this spreadsheet and they're like pros and cons list and all this other stuff. And sometimes it really is that simple. Because even when I. There's nothing wrong with that, though. No, there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes the whole thing is like, don't overcomplicate it. You know, don't over, don't overthink it. You stress yourself. Yeah. The thing is yeah. stressful as is. It's stressful at, you don't have to add no more stress. Trust. You gonna get your fair share of stress <laughs> just because you're choosing to make a change. But the great thing about making changes abroad is it's not like the states where you're stuck in contracts. No. So, for instance, you planted yourself in Cozumel first, and I remember talking to you, and you didn't really care for Cozumel like that. And now you're in a different place. No, but I had what happened. I was at an Airbnb. I had it for two weeks. And just so happened, the guy standing next door in his Airbnb had a friend who was subletting her apartment for the summer. She was going to India. She wanted $150 per month for her apartment in Cozumel. Mm. 
Who am I to turn down $150 a month rent? Yeah, I'll take it. And you need me to watch your cat? Got it. Do your cat need kitty litter? <laughs> oh, you let your cat go outside? So oh, we good to so go. So you house at? Uh, I guess you could call it that. She had a one bedroom and, you know, me and the cat got real cool. But the thing about it is, that's what happens. Opportunities open. Yes. What for whatever they are. Yeah. Once you make that first exactly. Step. So yeah. even though you think in your mind you're doing one thing, the way life works sometimes it throws you curves all the time, and it throws opportunities at you all the time. My initial goal was not to yeah. move to Thailand. I was moving to Vietnam. I did that Ooh. spreadsheet. <laughs> I did all the research. Because where I was choosing to go made sense for my personality, right? Based on the weather, based on being Oceanside, based on all of these things since I was going to be in Asia. And when I came to Chiang Mai, there was something about this place that made me feel so comfortable. And Mm. there's a community here. And I just stayed. I literally came for one reason and it's been over a year now. And I think I remember us talking about that. And I was trying to tag along onto your plans because I wasn't making it. She said I wasn't making it. Silly. Because I'm not, I know planning stresses me out, but I was so happy Nubia had all, I was like, oh, okay. We had plenty of long conversations, yes. (laughs) Seems to be a pattern. And I didn't even wind up coming And I think that's great too. Which we should just touch on really quickly is because you have a community of avid travelers and you knew people who have and had lived abroad, even though you've tried it before and you've done it before, you still had other avenues and outlets of people to communicate with. Yeah. And that was actually, I think that was also a selling point too. When I came to Mexico, I just happened to see a picture of all the black people who went to go see Black Panther. Imply their karma. And I was like, wait a minute, what y'all doing down there? Okay, that's fine. I think every country yeah. got that picture. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> got one in, got one in Japan. <laughs> Just two know. of us. But. Which, which I think opens I'm, people's eyes to say there are people of color who are actual expats living in this place. And it makes it a little bit easier because there are people that look like you. Yeah. And, but just one of those bait and switch things that life does, you know, I came down here and some of those people I see and most of them I don't, but I met some newer black people. So it's like, I feel like life does a bait and switch on me. Like, okay, we're going to show you this. So you will come. And then when you get there, it's going to be something. That's all part of life. You know, it's it's being able to just go with the flow and go with, with the ups and downs and, and keeping a sense of humor about things and just, not letting things oh, yeah. get you down and being just yep. open to whatever. Because a lot of people who move abroad and who live abroad are just like, it's it's okay. You know, <laughs> if this happens, that's mm-hmm. okay. If that doesn't happen, that's okay too. And you learn to really develop your resiliency abroad. And you learn to, to yeah. accept what is mm-hmm. and let go of what isn't. And I love that practice because yep. when... You know, when you're living in the States, I know for me personally, I wasn't able to practice that. I didn't even know how. I didn't even know how to articulate it. I hadn't seen anyone practice that. But being here, you see Mm -hmm. other people practice it. You live it. And it really allows you to handle life's challenges way much better. Yeah, I agree with that. So that you can feel more fulfilled. So that you can be more creative. So that you can have all these things open up for you. And so you can just live a better life. Yeah. So let me ask you, Natisha, you know, how does your life compare now? Versus when you were in the States? Compare. Uh, (laughs) Well, for one, 
I think it cost me about 60 to 70 percent less. And I would probably say I'm about 60 to 70 percent more satisfied and fulfilled. Amen to that. Yeah. I don't have a car here, so I don't have a car note. I don't have car insurance. So that's a fee that I'm not paying. I live about four to five blocks away from the beach. My rent is 300 bucks as compared to damn near 900 when I was in the States for pretty much the same size space, still a studio apartment. So from a financial perspective, there's that. But I walk a lot. I've been going back to visit family for training. And I didn't realize until I was back in the States how stressful driving was. Because I I guess just because I was so used to always driving. But I've noticed my stress levels are different. I noticed that I'm different. Like I'm, I'm literally a different I feel like I'm a different person. I look different. (laughs) Like physically, I've shaved my head. But people tell me I glow. And I think that's because of the sun. So, you know, being in Mexico, it's 80 degrees. That's the average. Doesn't really... Well, where I live in Playa del Carmen, it's about... 80 degrees on average most days. That's the low. I mean, of course, it gets higher than that. But I think being here and where it's like over 350 days or so of sunshine, I'm a ha- I'm just happy. Like when I come back here, I recognize this is my happy place. Gorgeous. Love, Love it. it. Love it. And you, I feel like I've gained better control over my emotions. Like I may feel something, but then I'm like, okay, let me breathe. All right. And, you know, it, allow it to pass. Like, it doesn't have to You actually to give it a process. Away. Yep. Oh, yeah. for sure. Because I'm not rushing off to the next thing. Like, even if I'm exactly. running late, it's like, every single time I'm running late, I end up having to backtrack. Like, <laughs> so I'm just like, girl, chill. <laughs> you know what the crazy thing about it is? Just the other day, and it's not that I haven't had these thoughts before. I was on my motorbike, and I was coming back from tutoring or whatever, because I do teach. And I was like, well... I live a life of privilege here. Absolutely. Every day. I still work. And I think people's perception of what it is to live abroad is almost like you're just on the beach drinking a Mai Tai. <laughs> and sometimes it's like that, you know, certain days, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. for the most part, you still work. You're actually more creative. Oh, yeah. You have a better sense of flexibility and a better sense of calmness around you. So you're able to get a lot more done, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. And like, as you said, the money's not really an issue because we're living for so much less, but we get so much more, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So it's almost like you gave yourself a pay increase. Like I, I just got hired for a new job, Congratulations! um, which is, thank you. I'm super stoked about it, but it's a $20,000 pay cut from what I was making before. Right. But I can't even, I'm like freaking rich because I'm living here. It's like, I could afford to take a $20,000 pay cut and not decrease my standard of living simply because the cost of living is so much lower. Wait, so the other night, Francis and I were going to the co-working space and we were like, yo, we're hungry. What do we want to eat? And we're running through the options, right? And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to get ramen. And ramen in the States is like the 10 cent cup of noodle, right? But no, ramen in the in the mm-hmm. Southeast Asia is actual fresh like <laughs> egg noodle or rice noodle or whatever, right? So I go to the noodle spot and I'm like, can I get these noodles no pork? He charges us. It's equivalent to 91 cents. We had these huge mm. bowls of, ramen. of fresh ramen with vegetables 
And on a side, a cup of freaking soup. And we just sat there and we're eating. We're mm-hmm. like, mm. And I mean, there was fresh garlic, fresh ch- um, scallions, scallions and all this stuff in it, right? And we were just sitting there munching on those noodles like, yo, all of this for a dollar. Mm-hmm. A dollar. And remind you, it was like 91 cents USD in the right. comparison. And we just was like. Just an awe. Just an awe. Just a, and we've been here for a, a year. So it's kind of like it still keeps you in awe of all the wonderful and beautiful things that a country offers you for a yeah. little bit. So we're not getting a dollar cups of soup in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> so y'all, y'all do have us be in that regard. <laughs> I wanted to go back to um, you saying that you took a $20,000 pay cut. It's interesting yeah. because I went to Japan. Well, in theory. In theory. Yeah, Let me in say theory. this. In theory, in theory right? right? Because I did, you know, I was on unemployment for six months. Right. So that was like 40000 <laughs> But I wanted so. to bring it up because I decided to, you know, I was like, you know, let me follow the money. I'm going to go to Japan. And I was able to save over $1,000 a month in Japan. You know, easy. Mm. But I wasn't happy in Japan. Mm. And so I brought my ass back to Thailand because this is the second time I've, I've lived in Thailand. I brought my ass back to Thailand knowing that financially I was going to take a, a huge pay cut, but I'm just so much happier because of yeah. the weather, the food, and the Japanese food is amazing, ever. but it was just too cold and a little bit too rigid for me. And so being out here in Thailand, it's just more relaxing the pace and everything else. It just fit me and my personality and what I needed. And I just want people to understand that your quality of life is always number one before finances, before any of that. It's about how fulfilled and how you feel inside because you can go chasing and hopping all over the place, but you're always going to come back to square one until you figure that out. And the unfortunate or fortunate part of that is it's almost like you don't believe fat meat greasy. I don't know if y'all grew up saying that or hearing that. No, what is that? I'm like, what? You don't believe fat meat is greasy. It's like you got to experience it in order okay. to actually understand. <laughs> it's like fat meat, you know, like pork or whatever, fat meat. Like you don't believe it's greasy unless you eat gotcha. it. Like I, it's not enough for me to tell you. And the idea of quality of life, unfortunately or fortunately, you don't really have a, I feel, an a, a understanding or even a perspective, a frame of reference for what that means until you experience another quality of life. Like it's one thing for me to talk to you about just chilling, relaxing, being okay, breathing here in Mexico and you in Chicago or Baltimore or DC, right? But it's a whole nother thing for you to come and experience it for yourself and be like, damn, like this is how you live. Like this is your life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's amazing. Right. Yeah. I think it's so important that, you know, we do things like the retreat so people can experience something like the retreat that you all are putting on so that we can experience something different. Cause you really don't even know, like you think, you know, but you have no idea. So we had interviewed Claire Soares of up in the air life. Right. And she was talking about how, like after the interview, my neighbor. Exactly. This is what I was getting at. I was tying the two together. And I think she was saying after the interview, her and a few ladies were heading to the beach or to the, to the they pool. Swim they day. swim every day. To the pool. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, hell no. Nah. I got to come down to Mexico and hang out with y'all. <laughs> and I think that's so dope that you have this sister circle. It's a good life. You know, of women yeah. entrepreneurs who support one another through in your businesses and your personal and all of that stuff, poolside, number one, in the middle of the damn afternoon. 
and that's real life. <laughs> it's real life. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's, again, I don't even know how to describe it to a way that you actually understand it. But when you think about it, you're able to live richly without necessarily having yeah. to be rich. Like one of the things I notice about rich white men is they stop their business day and they go play golf. That's true. It's true. In the middle of the day. But while they're playing golf, they're better able, they have better access, let me say this, to their executive functioning, right? Their prefrontal cortex. They're strategizing, the strategizing part of their brain. When you're constantly in fight or flight mode and you're constantly in an emotional roller coaster, you don't have access to your higher order thinking. Like you don't really have time to, you don't really, you, you can't listen to your intuition because you don't have access to. It. You can't hear God talk to you in the middle of chaos. But that's the way we usually, we're usually living without even knowing it because we've never experienced anything else. It's the way our friends live, our mamas live, our grandmamas, everybody around us live in a constant state of chaos. But because it's normal, it's what everybody is living. We don't even recognize it or identify it as chaos until you go somewhere else and you like, wait a minute, this your regular life? Like, I don't have to live that way. Mm-hmm. But you gotta, you have to have access to something else. Yeah. But most of us have access and don't even, that's why, you know, podcasts like this are so vitally important because you are literally showing, you know, even if you thought that it wasn't possible for you, right? I'm a chick who didn't have a whole bunch of money saved and literally was on unemployment and it was getting added to my debit card. And I came to Mexico and lived in an Airbnb and then had to turn back around and <laughs> come back. <laughs> it's crazy. You know, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, and you all have all kinds of, you know, Claire Demmer got a million dollar company. You got all from A to Z, but these are the people you're able. There's no way if I was back in Baltimore, D.C. or even Chicago, where I'm from, that I would be sitting down and having tacos and margaritas with people who got million dollar. Companies. Amen to that. sister. say that again. Or people who are even but because we're all on the level. Yeah, like you can't do these kinds of things in D.C. Oh, my gosh. Or any other urban city. It's like the 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 contrasts are so stark from a economic standpoint, but it levels the playing field. When we all eating, you know, 18, 14 peso tacos. We all eat drinking, you know, 50 peso, two dollar margarita. It's like. I can afford to, I got this round. Like I can actually <laughs> to get this Everybody round. in the bar. Everybody in the you bar. You know what I'm saying? Not everybody. Yeah. You know, our group. Like, <laughs> I got this, you know? It's, it's just a whole nother life. It's a whole nother standard of living that you don't, I wish we could put numbers. You know, the, we can, we can put numbers on finances, but you really, because stress is not something that they learn how to functionalize or put a number on, you really have no idea idea yeah well i guess if you measured your blood pressure maybe but you know for most people who aren't you know on pills yet who aren't diabetic yet who aren't feeling chronic pain yet right for them the difference between you know living in mexico paying 300 a month rent and paying 1500 a month rent like it's negligible like it's not a big difference for them because they don't have anything to measure it on especially if you haven't experienced it for yourself but I'm telling you this, this is, is the life this is yeah the life. going back home is i realized even without having all the monetary pieces together that i wanted i was like yo i really live a good life yeah. so natisha tell us a little bit about your coaching program okay um so coaching himself was is really my coaching philosophy what i recognize is most of us are not 
trained on how to live life in a healthy way. Like we don't have coping mechanisms. We don't understand how to change our behaviors. And the people who are teaching us how to change our behavior is usually they want us to depend on them, you know, and coming from the background I came from, first generation college student, I've left home, kind of created a a life for myself. What I recognized was I don't want to depend on someone outside of myself. I also found that that was dangerous and uh, sometimes harmful. Right. And open me up a lot of times for emotional abuse and narcissistic leaders and all kinds of madness and nonsense. And so what I really recognized was learning how to coach myself. So going through coach training, learning about trauma and how it affects the brain and stress and all of the stuff that I've learned is really kind of what we need to function well in life. And Unfortunately, it's not taught in class. You're not going to learn it in college, which I'm like, how do I have a master's degree? And I didn't learn this, right? Like, how are we, you know, putting uh, health professionals? I worked for Integrative Health Graduate School where we trained herbalists and nutritionists and acupuncturists and, you know, doctoral and master's level people. And I'm like, how are we training people to go out and uh, help the health of our communities? But they're not learning this stuff. We're not learning how to deal with our own emotions. So just idea of stopping and breathing, but also understanding what that actually does and how that helps you to have access to, you know, your higher level, higher order thinking abilities. So really just learning how to coach yourself (laughs) and what that is. Um, So I created the Life Coach MBA to really include that in my curriculum as we train life coaches, not just to create more businesses, right, but also to go back into their families and their communities and share what they've learned in a way that our families and our communities actually take action. So it's kind of like being, you know, taking the lead and becoming that which we want to teach others. Great. That's awesome. That is awesome. So being that you're only what, six months into living abroad, Mm -hmm. what piece of advice would you give someone who is considering it, but still have that, you know, that fear or holding on to that fear? So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight, check that item off your bucket list, and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. say just start getting ready right because you're gonna all there's always going to be some piece of the puzzle that's unknown our fear is because oh i don't know what's around that dark alley i don't or down that dark alley or around that dark corner so there's always going to be a piece of it that you don't know but if you start training yourself to number one breathe through it like literally stop and breathe right like okay Let me practice my breathing. And you take every experience as an opportunity to practice your breathing. Gradually become okay with having that fear and still making a move anyway. Um, So practice your breathing. And like I said, still just start preparing. Like I said, when I was starting to get ready, I, I thought I was, I knew I wasn't ready and I was disappointed. But I hired a a personal stylist, a personal shopper. We got rid of all my ugly clothes. You know, I started buying luggage, started clearing out my apartment. So if you start, identify what the next thing is for you, you know, it could be any number of things. Most of us need to get rid of a bunch of our shit. So tell me about it. (laughs) 
You know, whatever it is for you, just start taking a step. And like I said, every time you take a step, every time you get closer, trust and believe that anxiety, that fear is going to get bigger. So you just got to practice learning how to fight. You know, and the way the best way to fight it, in my opinion, is not, oh, I'm going to run over it because it's going to get too big. What you do is you just learn how to, you know, glide with it like the Matrix. I think that's a solid piece of advice. Thank you. We appreciate that. So if our listeners wanted to contact you or check you out on social media, how could they find you? Um, so I am on, well, Facebook is my favorite platform. So you can catch me on Facebook at Natisha Willis. Easy, <laughs> easy, um, easy. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, or you can go to coachyourdamself.com, which is C-O-A-C-H-Y-A-D-A-M, like Mary, N, like Nancy, S-E-L-F, like Frank, dot com. Go cop that book. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Thank you, Natisha, for being on the show. Uh, we really enjoyed it. We had a great time. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at Chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com, for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.